So this is a special uh, special episode of the journey today. We have uh, a special guest, Aaron Tokars, and Aaron and I have been friends for a while and known you in a in a handful of different uh, different settings. And uh, so, Aaron, welcome to the journey. As I've mentioned to you before, uh, I think I first talked to you about the journey. Well, uh, even a year ago, yeah. um, about the idea of what we'd be doing with this um, particular uh, show. It is a story about um, recreating yourself. It's a story about transformation, that when we have setbacks in life, how do we learn from them? How do we uh, fail forward when there's those setbacks? Uh, and, and how do we, essentially, how do we transform uh, through the experiences of just our, just our ordinary journey? So uh, welcome to the journey. And uh, before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are as a person and um, what do you what do you do with uh, in in your spare time in your free time? What do you do for fun? We my wife and I were my wife Philan and I we've been married for eleven years, um, and and I start with that because you know you asked what do I do in my spare time? Mm-hmm. We went out to dinner last night for the first time in a while, without the kids, without any distractions, without the dog with us, and. When we got to dinner, we we were both like, wow, this is the first, like, spare time that we've had in a really long time. And I don't it, – it's funny because our spare time right now is full of doing things to continue on our journey. Okay. Um, which is interesting because we actually came into that realization last night. Like, what do people do in their spare time? Because we don't have spare time. We are very much just on the go, kind of nonstop mm-hmm. sort of people. And I think that's how I've been pretty much my whole life. Um, I grew up in the Chicago suburbs, um, <clears throat> went to high school here, and after that, really didn't have, have any real direction of what I wanted to do okay. for a living. Through a series of being led in certain ways, I became a police officer, which I had no idea growing up. That wasn't like a goal of mine growing up, <laughs> sure. but um, it happened. Um, I did that for 11 years and then uh, had some uh, medical issues, which is a whole nother episode. Yeah, yeah, tell us, I mean, you had started off as a beat uh, beat cop right just a, a field officer and then you went from that and you were a detective right yeah i got uh, i would did 11 uh sorry seven years on the road as a street yeah. cop and then our detective bureau had a specialized unit that dealt with uh drugs and guns okay. and so i went uh for three years in an undercover capacity as a narcotics officer and Bought a lot of drugs and bought a lot of guns, and a lot of that was based uh, in the collar counties of Chicago. Okay, so. And then during that time period when you were working um, in that unit is when you had some health issues. Yeah, I woke up on a Friday morning with a pain in my gut, and uh, it, it, we learned later that it was acute necrotic pancreatitis. Okay. And that put me in the hospital in a coma for about six weeks. Um, basically, everything inside looked like I got hit by a semi truck. On the outside, I was fine, but I was just uh, my body was shutting down, and 
uh, after about six weeks, miraculously, I started to heal and uh, was down to 5% chance to live. Family got flown in from out of state and they said their goodbyes. And uh, a lot of friends came in and said their goodbyes. I don't remember any of that. Sure. Um, yeah. And then I woke up and it's it's kind of interesting coming out of a coma because <laughs> yeah what, yeah tell us about that what is it what do you remember about you know you're going you at some point you 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 were conscious right mm-hmm. and then and you were in pain yeah and then now you're yeah the, the last thing I remember is walking into the first hospital getting into the lobby explaining to them what was going on getting into the ER and then that's the last thing that I consciously mm-hmm. remember. And then the next thing I consciously remember is staring up at a hospital ceiling. It felt like I was escaping out of the binder of a big book, like a like a like that big uh, you know dictionary that was on your grandparents' sure. thing yeah. that you didn't yeah. touch. You yeah. know, yeah. Uh, it felt like I was like trying to climb out of that. And in but at the same time, it was odd. Because I was trached, I had been my muscle atrophy, so I couldn't move. Right. Uh, basically, all I could do is open my eyes and stare at a ceiling and think, "What is going on?" And then having that memory of, "Oh yeah, I remember going to the hospital. I must still be in a hospital." And then I say consciously remember because subconsciously, uh, dream state for me was huge. In, a, in the coma okay. and a lot of that was a mixture of dreams with reality uh, I have vivid con- vivid memories of being in a hospital room uh, with family members sitting on my right side reading me a story about a seal <laughs> right sure in yeah, a yeah, uh, yeah. or a porpoise should I say you know in the desert Okay. Okay. You see, you see where I'm going <laughs> yeah, here a yeah, little bit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, when th- that all tied in, because my hospital room was underwater, and I had porpoises swimming by outside of my hospital room, so it, there's interesting um, other ones of being outside um, uh, a museum in Chicago, sitting on the lakefront looking out over Lake Michigan, but I was actually still in my hospital bed and my cousin was there. And so there's, it it was a lot of mixture of, uh, I think things that were happening and that I was hearing, but I wasn't, I didn't have the visual for it. So Mm. other parts of my brain kind of filled that in. So that's why I say there's that subconscious and conscious, which again, that's (laughs) way, yeah, way different, uh, thing going on there. But, uh, well, and I think, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's interesting that, you know, when we we have a family member, have a significant other who is in a state of uh, a coma or a, it doesn't appear to be in a conscious state, and when they have visitors and those visitors are doing some of the things as such as reading stories or having conversations, um, they may not pick up on the the patient may not pick up on everything, but we never know which what they will pick up on. 
Absolutely. And so, uh, so that is an interesting. Well, as you, you know, and I've, and like I said, I've known, I've known a lot of your stories, and that's the first time I've heard that story. So that's, a, that's there's a, a lot of uh, stories up there in my brain. That's sure, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So, so you 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 begin slowly healing from that, and but yes. one of the things that came from that was that you became um, uh, insulin dependent diabetic. Yes. And um, and that changed, that changed everything. It did. Um, I spent like the next six months in recovery, uh, learning how to talk again, walk again, everything else. And then I went back to the police department in a light duty capacity. And after about a year, it was a uh, mutual decision between doctors, the department and myself, kind of all of us that uh, they were going to they basically released me on a, a medical disability to See how I would recover, um, and I am now a uh, type one insulin dependent diabetic, and I'm missing a few organs, and uh, I feel good. Um, I can I can perform daily activities, but at this at that point, uh, a decision was made for the safety of myself, the other officers, and the public that we would we would cease being a police officer. So sure. I took sure. a medical retirement back in 2007. And then about two years later, uh, we launched a photography business here in Rockford, and we have had, have been doing that for the last however many years. How many years that is? <laughs> sure, sure. What year is it? Yeah. So you guys do a variety of type of uh, photography um, as a as a as a partners as couples you i've seen you at many weddings and so that's one piece of it of the type of photography and i know that's a a, depending on the year that could be a bulk of what you end up doing um and what other type of photography do you guys do i know that's that tends to be all time consuming during during the seasons during the wedding season it is we are a partnership uh we shoot all of our weddings together as a husband and wife team um but then i do some corporate work uh, some family stuff. Most of our corporate work is still people-based because taking a picture of a road or of a building is great, but for me, there's no sto- there's really no story there, and the story is in the person. So I very prefer, very much prefer to shoot people, and even portraits, uh, environmental portraits, where we're putting the subject into their environment. Mm-hmm. And shooting them there to help tell that story. Sure, sure. And I've seen some of your work, and it's done a, a, a pretty amazing job. I know you've done some great, great things for 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 some individuals um, with their family members, mm-hmm. and um, and so you've done some great things with that. Yeah, it's it's for us. It's it's not a tagline, but it's it's about capturing moments. Mm-hmm. And what I've realized is how how important those moments are in life, and it's actually. I look at it as an honor for me to be able to get to, to photograph somebody in those moments because I'm preserving that 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 for future that that moment that's in time for future for mm-hmm. future family members or whomever it may be. Yeah, yeah. And you also then came into the industry at a time different than um, you know when you know if it would have been 30 years ago when photography was more restrictive. Yeah. And and now with digital, there's probably a lot more options, and you can be, you know, much more um, mobile and, and and be able to do things that way. Yeah, one of the, one of the things that I guess in in our spare time, I still 
I can pick up a camera and, and shoot our kids any day of the week. That mm-hmm. that brings me joy. Just no matter what they're doing, if they're in the backyard, if they're running around, if they're hiking, if they're kayaking, if they're whatever they happen to be activity, or they're just sitting reading. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to just grab the camera at sporadic moments and, and try really hard to catch our kids when they don't realize the camera is there because when you grow up with parents as photographers, you're around that camera all the time, and there's definitely time the kids are, oh, Dad's got the camera again. <laughs> but it's it's neat to be able to kind of sneak in and, and you know, get them for really who they are sure. um, instead of just the posed or the, uh, yeah, a lot of our stuff, most of our stuff is very unposed, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, family sessions with kids that are crying are, hey, that's where your kid's at in life. Right. Um yeah. One of my favorite photographs of the last year is uh, we were hiking in North Carolina up the Big Butt Trail. And granted, our kids had so much fun with that. But uh, (laughs) about halfway up the trail, Brig had, he's our nine-year-old, and his eyes started to swell up. He reacted to something in the air. I don't know what it was, an allergic reaction. And he kind of had a, obviously, a nine-year-old with a, you know, his eyes burning and you're in, in the mountains and you know, you've got some eye drops, but there's not a lot to, that you can do at that point. Um, he just kind of had this kind of meltdown moment and there's this picture of him crying and it's, it was just, uh, there's something about that picture. It's, it just, it moved me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a follow-up one that my wife actually took. I handed her the camera and it's Brig and I just hugging in that kind of, I don't know what to do as a, from a medical standpoint, from, from a dad, it was like, all right, just wrap your kid up. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just to be able to capture moments like that mm-hmm. has been, it's been awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, as a, as a therapist, we, we talk about the, the goal to be mindful and, and to be present and, and, and I think, you know, when someone's first learning to use uh, photography equipment, you know, they don't want to be, they, they miss on being in the moment because they're so focused on um, what they're trying to do with the camera, right? Well, you're very comfortable with a camera. And so in some ways for you to take those photos, it actually cements that. And even more so is an opportunity for you um, to, be, to be mindful, to be present. And and then there's that, like you said before, that memory now that is is lifelong or mm-hmm. beyond. Yeah. Um, being mindful and present was uh, something that I think I struggled with for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm learning more about myself and... And also being trying to be more honest with myself. Um, during that time, being a photographer, and we worked from home. Uh, my wife and I both worked from home because we're both in the business. So we had the opportunity to be around our kids all the time and to be around each other all the time. But about two years ago, uh, I'm not going to take the credit for this one. My wife kind of had a... I'd say it was a life-changing moment for us and that she came to the realization that we, even though we were physically there all the time, we weren't being as present as we needed to be with each other um, or with the kids. And that was, uh, 
some decisions got made and some bigger things changed. <laughs> sure. Well, why don't we go ahead and get into that? But let's lay a little bit of the landscape sure. first. So, uh, so you've been in Rockford now since mid two thousands. Yep. Right. And uh, have lived downtown or in the in more the inner city of Rockford. Yes. And you have how many kids? So together we have three, but we have a total of five. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife has two older kids. They're now twenty and eighteen years old. Um, they're now moved out. They're mm-hmm. in college. They are doing their thing. Sure. Uh, and then together we have three. We have a seven-year-old, a nine-year-old, and an eleven-year-old. Okay. And and go go through the. They have very cool names. So go through the names as well as the ages. Sure. So we'll start actually. My wife. Her first name is Philan, mm-hmm. um, which is unique in, yeah. in its own yeah. sense. Um, and then we have Cashin, and he's our eleven-year-old. A little quieter, uh, loves to read, um, little boy. Mm-hmm. He's getting to be big. Holy cow! Um, and then we have Brig, and Brig is our nine-year-old ball of energy, non-stop, all day, keeps us going. Uh, amazing little guy. He's a little quieter. Um, socially, he's. Uh, he's doing much better, but he's he's been he's been um, well. He's he's our challenge child. I'll just say that in a really good way. He he pushes us all the time, sure. and then we have Freya, and she is our little one. She's seven, um, totally daddy's little boy, little girl. You know, just she's cute and little, and I think I don't ever want her to grow up. I keep on telling her to stop growing because sure. well, you've got a daughter. You know how oh, it yeah. is. It's like yeah. stop just. Slow down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So those are our, those are our, our little ones, and they they're with us, full time once again. <laughs> and and then your older the older ones. Yep. Uh, and they are Chloe and Caleb, and okay. Chloe is twenty, and Caleb just turned eighteen. Gotcha. Okay. And so Caleb just graduated from high school. Now he did. He, he's starting college. Yep. And Chloe is she's in i know she what, what she was in she? madison uh yeah, she was okay. up in madison and uh she did cosmetology up That's there nice. okay. she's now working on a farm up in madison oh, nice. and there's she's heading out to portland we think okay uh is her next kind of venture she's going to be leaving the midwest uh in about a month okay. uh caleb uh just graduated high school i have to give a little not even a little credit but huge credit to him he uh ended up uh Finishing off his senior year as the assistant captain of the varsity high school hockey team, which was huge. He's been playing hockey. We we put him in skates when he was like, I think three, mm. and uh, it was really neat watching him progress over the years. And I had the opportunity to coach for years, and then went into the stands, which was kind of hard to do. Sure. But um, it's it was really neat watching him grow as a and becoming a young adult, I yeah, guess. Is, sure, yeah. yeah. And, and Chloe, yeah, she's, she's now out on her own. She's been living on her own, uh, up in Madison. And, uh, like I said, she's, she's got a, a vision to head out to Portland. And so I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll see where it happens. We'll see what happens. Portland's an awesome city, but, sure, uh, so sure. she's going to head out there in, in the next few months. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you were speaking of adventure. So two years ago, uh, you were beginning to explain that Flan had this idea that, um, or concern or awareness that we're not as emotionally present. Maybe we're physically here. 
and we have the availability to be there when the kids are leaving for school, be there when the kids uh, come home from school, but this idea about me being emotionally present didn't automatically come just because there was a large quantity of time being together didn't necessarily mean that quality or that that being present with them. And so there was a couple ideas thrown around, and and uh, and one of them was relocating. And you guys were thinking about relocating. We were. And uh, but that somehow morphed into a different idea. So tell us about that, uh, how it morphed into a different idea, and yeah, explain what that means. We had traveled down to North Carolina. How we picked Asheville, North Carolina, I really still don't know. My wife had been there once climbing. I had never been there. And she said, let's go to Asheville. I think we need to relocate to there. We'll slow down our pace. We'll do a smaller house maybe in the mountains somewhere. And we will, that's going to get us to reconnect. That's going to get us to be closer as a family. So we went down to North Carolina, looked at some properties, bid on some houses, all within like, I think less than a month period, we just went for it, which again, that's kind of how we, it's kind of how we roll. Um, luckily for us, we didn't get the bids, we didn't win the bids on those houses. So we came home, sat down, reevaluated, we went and had coffee together, which we've learned that date night for us is early morning coffees, which is that was a whole game changer too. Mm -hmm. um, but we were sitting having coffee and, and we kind of went back over the last 14 years of being together and the last 11 years of being married. And we said, when is it that we've like done the best together as a couple? And it's been traveling. Um, we love to travel. We love to go see new places. And as we started talking about that more, we, I, again, I'm going to revert back to Philan, but she was like, wait a second, maybe we're doing this all wrong because the grass is always greener on the other side. But just because we move into another house in another city, in another state, doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to cause us or get us to be more present. It's, it's the same, you, you bring the same baggage yeah. when it doesn't matter where the house is. It's still, and, and for us, it was, again, how do we break out of that? Yeah. Um, Real quick, I want to interrupt you because just so that everybody understands a little bit more about Flan, right? <laughs> so, so, so not only is, is Flan a photographer, um, and she has a cool name, but uh, she also has a hobby or an interest that's maybe a little bit beyond that. And yeah, that's, I would, and that's I would, I would say it's more of a passion. Yeah, <clears throat> um, she is a rock climber. Um, and when I say that, I don't really know how to explain it unless you've been out there and have seen her climb. Um, she started climbing in, well, she started climbing, her mom introduced it to her when she was like seven, but then it really took off in college. Um, she traveled for like a year and a half living in the back of a pickup truck, um, traveling all over the country climbing. Um, from, from, once when I met her, that was one of her big, I shouldn't say it was one of her big things. That was the biggest thing that no matter what, she is going to continue to be a climber. Mm -hmm. um, it's in her blood. That's just it's it's her passion where not everybody has a passion. But for the people that have a passion, they'll understand um, that that's it. Like mm -hmm. that is her bread and butter. Mm -hmm. And 
climbing with her for the last 10 years, I've been at different crags and I've watched and been a part of that. And I watch her climb and she just climbs differently. Um, she looks at the rock from a totally different point of view when she's on it. And um, not only me seeing it, but I've, I've listened to other conversations over my shoulder when people have walked up and they're going to, you know, they're not in line for a climb, but maybe they've been on that route before. And I, I've watched people just kind of look up in awe and be like, oh, I've never thought to approach the crux of the climb in that manner. Um, mm -hmm. She just, she has it in her. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so she's, she's, she's a crazy climber. Yes. She climbs everything. <laughs> well, and, and when she and I had an opportunity to talk about what she loves so much about climbing, one of the things, one of the many things that she loves so much about it was, is that that's all she's thinking about is climbing when she's climbing. Her mind's free. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. She, her brain is nonstop. Constant right. ideas, constantly trying to make our lives better, her life better. It's a non, it's, it's nonstop. And yeah, when we're out there, you can see her just yeah. change. So, so she's, a, so she knew what it was like to be present as, as part of, of, of her passion, a part of what she loves. And then when her ordinary life, so when she has this idea that, well, wait a second, if we just relocate, it could be by default, just be a relocation, and we take all our emotional, all our stuff that may not be fixed, may still be there with us. We just happen to, you know, upsize, downside, just change environments, right? And so then you guys, somewhere along the line, then played around and came up with a different idea. Yeah, we came up with this idea that we were going to buy a school bus and convert it into our house and leave and go on the road and <laughs> go do life differently. Sure. Go do life on the road. Go do life in different places, in different communities, in different environments. And bring our kids with us and, yeah, try something different, I guess. Sure. This would be, at least for most Rockfordians, this would be different. Yeah. For most Americans, this would be different. Yes. Yeah. So the upside is is that Flan has traveled when she was, I'm assuming pre-kids, yep. had, had traveled around in the back of a pickup truck climbing. But this is with a family, so it's going to be a little bit different. And uh, so, so first talk about how do you, well, buy a school bus, but then turn a school bus into um, a home on wheels. <laughs> so how yeah, does that work? It, you know, um, it was kind of funny because when I go back and – think about how much time it was. Uh, we came up with this idea, and I think it was uh, about less than two weeks later, we actually bought our bus. Um, I, I say that because now, having been part of this bus community, we meet other bus people, and we hear about, well, we planned it for two years. Well, we saved for a year. Well, it took us nine months to come up with our design. It took us you know, and, and again, I've, I've mentioned it a few times already, but we are not the people that can wait two years to, to, to let, because by the time those two years would have come up, we would have probably been <laughs> on to something else. Mm -hmm. um, 
So yeah, so we we found our school bus on Facebook Marketplace of all places. Uh, we had been looking at auction sites and um, we're thinking about buying a bus in West Virginia. I had planned to drive out to West Virginia, look at some some buses and buy one and hopefully drive it back. Um, and then within that two-week period before we actually went out to an auction, we found a bus on Facebook Marketplace. It fit the right size for us. There were some things that we needed. We needed, and again, we're getting into buses here, so this is going to get really sure. weird, but we needed a flat front puller that was 30 feet. And flat front being it doesn't have the dog nose out the front like a like, like a most of the school buses now have that the engines up in the front in front of the in front of the cab. We needed to have a flat front bus where the engine was right next to us, and that was important because then you get more square footage out of the inside of your bus. Mm-hmm. All little things that we learned really quick mm-hmm. uh, in two weeks, and then uh, for us to build the bus behind our house in the city of Rockford, we needed to be. 30 feet or under. So our our search went from buying a bus to then buying a flat front bus that had the engine up in the front that was only 30 feet long. So that right there narrows your uh, your, your field down sure. to much, much lower. And I had, would never have thought to look at Facebook Marketplace for a school bus to yeah. buy. Um, I had reached out to my friend Jim, and he's a diesel mechanic, and I said, Jim, i got to find this bus. And he said, I'll start looking. And uh, he actually called me and said, I think I found a bus for you. And again, with us being a little sporadic, um, I told Flan, I said, hey, on Monday, we're going to drive down to Joliet, Illinois, where there's this bus, and let's go. So the kids were still in school, and we drove down to Joliet and with cash in my pocket and she didn't know I had cash in my pocket. And, um, we walked down to this bus and the guy started it up and I said, what's wrong with it? And he said, I don't really know, but it's ran great for me for four years. He had bought it from a school district down in Tennessee and that's where our bus is from, from Tennessee. Um, he said, I've had it for four years. I've just, he's a, he was a cab driver and he used it for transportation and he said, I think it runs great. And I said, perfect. Here's the cash. How do I drive a bus? And he said, well, um, use your mirrors. Use your mirrors. And I think he said it a third time, use all your mirrors and take your time. And you're a big yellow box and people will get out of your way. And Flan drove home and I stuck around and figured out how to, it sounds very basic, but I figured out how to use a diesel truck stop. Uh, filling up with diesel is different in a truck stop than a car because the way it works and all these little things I had to learn and I learned them very quickly. Sure. And sure. I drove home from Joliet and driving home was, uh, I'd say therapeutic, which sounds, I don't know how that sounds about driving a vehicle, but there's something about being in a big old school bus, mm-hmm. just like, Mm-hmm. You know, just going down the highway. And it's mm-hmm. not every day that you get to be like, hey, I own a school bus now. Sure. Um, you, you mentioned, what do you do next? So uh, we went to coffee again um, and basically laid out on some grid, on some graph paper, our bus and started drawing okay. and started laying things out. And in the middle of laying things out became... Um, taking the bus apart because when you buy a school bus, it has seats, it has heaters, it has all the school bus 
stuff that a school bus comes with. Sure. In yeah. what it's intended to be. And again, thinking back, it's kind of odd, I guess, uh, in hearing about it. But yeah, so it we gutted the bus, ripped out seats, ripped out walls, ripped out insulation, took apart the ceiling, took apart the floor. Uh, it basically, we got the bus down to a big metal shell. Sure. Okay. And then now it sleeps the five of you. It does. You cook Plus from three. Yes. Well, we can actually fit eight, but we comfortably sleep five, live with five. And dog. And dog. And dog. Which, yeah. <laughs> Which you happen to get last. We, we happen to get on the road. On the road, yes. Yeah. Because, you know, might as well add that <laughs> Might as well add to a it, dog right? to the, to <laughs> the narrative. Yeah. It gives you reasons to stop besides the kids, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um so, so it has a, obviously has a kitchen. It has where you keep your food, and then you built a shower and all these different things that you built. And the majority of it, uh, a large part of it, you did yourself. I yep. mean, you had a lot of people helping you out, and, and a lot of your friends and a lot of people you asked to be part of that. I know that in itself is a whole story. Yes. And then you finally get ready, and I know there was a big push that you wanted to be on the road. Um, last july the beginning of last july and so july first ish beginning of july of 18 was the goal yes and uh so tell us a little bit about you guys met your goal within a within a few days you know within a week or so and um and then so tell us a little bit about that and then and then yeah tell us a little bit about that because so you know you've already talked about this idea of recreating yourself because of the illness and and what happened with you no longer a police officer recreate yourself as a photographer found out that you love and uh and that is one of the many things that you enjoy and have a passion for is photography and but but more of using film to capture stories and and be able to memorialize memories right Mm -hmm. and then um now this is a similar type of change but now it's all all of you guys are going and um so tell us a little bit about the the there's part there's a part one and a part two at least that i know (laughs) of the story so tell us about uh segment one or or, or segment one of the road yeah um wow where to start with that one um it's it's really the road became for us in our in our mind it was the first 30 days was kind of like chapter one, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the year was. Well, there's way more chapters in there, but the that 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 first month was difficult, mm-hmm. challenging, um, from a whole bunch of different standpoints. Um, I'm actually going to back up okay. about a month before we left. Um, it, you know, not only were we changing we, we, we were converting a bus so that also involves like you had already mentioned building kitchens and building you know how do you do a triple bunk bed how do you do your kids sleeping like three inches from you in the back of a bus how do you work solar how do you work heating how do you work ac how do you configure where you're going to put all your stuff how do you go from having stuff that you've had for your adult whole adult life and then taking all of it and either getting rid of it or putting in storage or 
downsizing and, and getting your whole life into 225 square feet. Um, that was a challenge in and of itself. But then we also said, well, we're now we're going to also pull our kids out of school. Um, we're going to, at the time, we were going to homeschool mm-hmm. our kids while we're on the bus. How do we take our business and convert it to be able to use the photography when we're on the bus? How do we generate income? So we've got all these things going on in our heads at the same time that we're building the bus. And for the two weeks prior to us leaving, and we had also already rented out our house for the next year. So we were out of our house. We were building the bus while kind of living in it. It was a little chaos in the last two weeks. My wife and I were both working last June and into July 12 to 18 hours, basically from sunup until our neighbors went home from helping us at 11 o'clock at night. We were working on the bus to get it ready. And finally, on a like Wednesday night, Philan said, okay, tomorrow we leave. Mm-hmm. Um, we weren't ready yet. We didn't have a door on our bathroom. We still don't have a door on our bathroom, but... If you know us, that doesn't surprise you. <laughs> that wouldn't surprise you. We're a very open family. Um, but we, so we, we got everything kind of wrapped up in that last like few hours and got the bus packed and we took off on the road. And we're driving down the road and I was in heaven. It was wonderful. This engine was super loud right next to my ear. Uh, everything on the bus was shaking and rattling. The front door flew open because of a, well, we forgot to do something, but uh, the front door flew open. Uh, But I was still just, this was it. We were on this journey. We're on this path. We don't have a destination, but we are going for it. And we are, we're up for it. We're and and. My wife says, something smells weird. And I said, okay, great. No, the engine smells weird. Something's not right. And I just, I I didn't listen. And that's huge in this first month. Um, I didn't listen to my wife. And that's, that became a huge issue for both of us in that first month. Um, but what I wasn't, I was hearing her, but I wasn't, like, listening. Mm-hmm. And... We broke down on I-90 before we even got to Riverside Boulevard, which if you know Rockford, it's basically not even outside of Rockford yet. It's less than three miles. It's, yeah. <laughs> um, and we were broken down on the side of the road with a bus that was just, I had no idea what was wrong with it. I started freaking out because everything we had worked on for the last four months of building and for the last, like, six months of our lives planning and had rented out your house, had spent a lot of money putting the bus together, all this effort, and we're on the side of the road and it won't even like do anything. It's on the road dead. Um, When I say if I would have listened to my wife, we when we took out the heater months before, we drained out the antifreeze in the last day of trying to get out of there in a rush. I didn't check all the fluids. We ended up overheating our bus, um, which ended up, I guess, working out because by the time the tow truck got there, it started right up. But then you're, well, do we want to continue or don't we with a broken bus? 
So day two was spent at the shop. They ripped apart basically our entire engine, couldn't find anything wrong with it, and said, you got a great bus. The engine's phenomenal. You were a little low on antifreeze, like two and a half gallons. And I went, oh. Mm. And Philan went, remember when I told you that the bus smelled weird? Mm. Um, That was like day one and two. Day three, we lost a wheel bearing on our trailer. Day four, we were in Wisconsin, and the nearest place that had the part was like an hour away. So it was driving an hour to get parts to come back to fix the wheel bearing, but we forgot one part, so we had to drive. I mean, it was just, it was nonstop. We Mm -hmm. got through Minnesota and going up those giant mountains in Minnesota. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, thanks for the yeah. weird look. Um, I don't recall that, but yeah, no. a lot of likes. Yeah, uh, no, our we were towing, a, a, we had a car behind our mm-hmm. bus to tow for when we are in cities. We could barely get up the, quote, mountains in Minnesota. That became, what do we do now with a car that we have that we're towing? What, we're on our way to Seattle, maybe. How do we get to the mountains? There may be real mountains <laughs> coming and up. And yeah. so we left a car in Fargo, North Dakota. And then we headed out across uh, North Carolina, and we got to the mountains in, in, in Montana, and it was gorgeous. But my wife and I still weren't talking. Mm. Um, we were just in a really weird place. And so we've got all these challenges that are occupying our time, but then we're not able to settle and, and reconnect. Um, going up the mountains and going 23 miles an hour, without towing a vehicle and you're just in the right lane sweating and you live, we have air conditioning, but you live in a big glass box, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like living in a greenhouse. So you can open the windows of a greenhouse, but it's still really hot and humid in there. So we're in this bus that's really loud, a lot smaller than our house. And individually we were both, I think, um, we were both appreciative of what we were doing and we were both happy because we were out doing it, but we weren't doing it together, mm-hmm. which that was just a big kick in the shins. It was, um, cause that was part of what the goal was. That was part of the goal. And in so quickly we had lost the vision of what the goal was, mm-hmm. um, know your why and the rest will follow. Right, and right. we forgot what our why was. Mm-hmm. We forgot what our why was when we pulled out of the driveway. I think mm-hmm. we were so, for me, I was just, I was so excited to be doing it and doing something different and, um, you know, trying something new, trying, it, it just, the rest of it kind of fell apart. Um, that first month was at the same time, absolutely amazing. Um, I mean, it was, we made it out to Seattle and we spent time in Seattle and in Portland and on a mountaintop pig farm in Oregon and hiking in Olympic national forest and seeing the Pacific ocean and, um, kayaking and more hiking and climbing, uh, in Bend, Oregon and spending time whitewater rafting or not whitewater, whitewater kayaking in Bend, um, and, and getting on the rock with the kids. And there's this gorgeous, amazing, I had never been there before, Smith Rock, which is outside of Bend. And it was one of the places that my wife had climbed at years ago when we went back there and, uh, you know, experienced climbing with the kids. But at the same time, uh, I was really struggling. Um, I'm 
more of the outgoing person usually in our relationship. I am the, hey, it's it's all good, like mm-hmm. thumbs up. I've always got a smile on my face. I can bring that even if there's something negative going on in my life and or if it's in our family, I'm usually the one that can just put a smile on my face and keep us going. And for the first time, I just, I, I lost it. I, I couldn't hold it together anymore. And Philan took that role. She's the quieter one. Um, you had talked about her. Her brain is nonstop. So mm-hmm. she's always down uh, a path of the next thing, the next thing. Not not even the next thing, but what could go good, what could go wrong, what could go this, what could do that. She thinks a lot. And she really stepped up at that point because she took that role of, okay, put the smile on the face and what are we going to do today and what are we going to do kids today and today and the next day and the next day. And I broke down to the point where I think I took on so much responsibility for everything that would happen with the bus, even though it wasn't something I did. But since I built it, I took it upon myself mm-hmm. when a drawer would fly open or when a refrig- we went around a corner and it hit a curb when I was driving and the refrigerator flew out. And so it was like I took on like absolutely everything on the bus. Mm-hmm. It was hot. It was sweaty. It just And then at one point in Bend, Oregon, I said, that's it. We're going home. So we're done. I said, I don't care. We are done. We are going to drive the bus back. I'm going to burn the bus. I am just, I had had it. Mm-hmm. And um, we didn't just immediately drive back, but we started to head back. We did have to be back in the Midwest for some weddings. Um, and when we got back here, the coming back through we picked up the car in Fargo and got back and um we both my wife actually said she's like tomorrow morning we're going to coffee and I was like oh coffee (laughs) shoot that's where we like that's where we ground ourselves sure and so we went and had coffee and sat there for it wasn't coffee it was like a four-hour what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Yeah. And and it allowed us to reconnect. Um, that that again that first month was challenging. It was really hard. Um, but if we wouldn't have gone through that first month, I don't think the next eleven months would have turned out the way they did. And it has been. Absolutely amazing. But it's the change started. I know you you got a question, but I think the change for us started in back in that coffee house. Yeah. And it was, okay, sit down. And I think we ordered our coffee, which we normally get. And we sat in the same two seats upstairs down here in in Rockford. And we, we have our little corner and we sat down and we just sat for a while and didn't talk. And then it was like, Okay, so that month was horrible. We didn't talk. We are on the verge of divorce. We're going to be bankrupt. The the kids are going to, you know, have no clue of even how to add two plus two because we're failing at absolutely everything. Um, we We need to make a decision right here in this coffee house. Are we done as maybe not to the extreme of as a couple, but are is this? This this is big. This 
Is this project is, over? This is, is this project over? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it done? And we went through a list. And I don't make lists, but we made a list. And it was the positives and the negatives, the stay on the road, the go back, the do we no matter what it wouldn't have been failure because we did it mm-hmm. but it's also that sense of like we told ourselves it was going to be a year and we were actually okay with hey if this is the decision we're going to make we we can do something else this isn't we're our our lives are not um who we are as people are not just simply us and a bus sure who we are as people are not just the family from Rockford that live in a bus and are traveling now, we are way bigger than that mm-hmm. as a as a couple and as a family. Um, but we, well, now we're looking at our one-year anniversary of being on the bus, so mm-hmm. that tells you that we, I mean, we made that decision yeah. that we need to change. We need to remember again why we're doing this, mm-hmm. and it's for that being more present and being more close. And let's take this last month and everything that happened negatively in that month. Now, I just dwelled on it for the last 10 minutes, but sure. I, but it was also beautiful. Yeah. I mean, the things that we saw were absolutely amazing mm-hmm. and the experiences that we have. And the bigger thing, and I, I got to go on this one, but one of the bigger things that we took out of that first month is being, even though we weren't present with each other, we were very open to just allowing um, the universe to guide us mm-hmm. or God to guide us, mm-hmm. depending on what mm-hmm. your belief is, sure. um, and just being open for possibilities mm-hmm. and letting people in that you have no idea who they are. And all of a sudden, during that month, the things that stick out the most to me were the random people that we would meet on the road that would either offer emotional support or physical support or something. Um, And we kind of looked when we were sitting in the coffee house, that was one of the things that we were like, okay, what we know all the negatives that happen in the last month. The negatives are so easy to dwell on. We all do it. Right. I mean, do a hundred good things. You you great. You do one good, bad thing. Everybody like that's Mm -hmm. what the negatives, what everybody remembers. We said, okay, let's put these negatives to the side and let's really concentrate on all the good that's happened in the last month. Mm -hmm. And, and where does that take us? And so we made that decision sitting in that coffee house. That's it. We are going to pack the bus back up. Uh, Not that it was unpacked, but you know, we're going to, we're going to get back on this bus. We're going to leave with more direction. Mm -hmm. We're going to leave with more, not necessarily the direction of the destination because it's never about for us the destination, but what are we doing mm-hmm. and why get back, getting back to the, why are we doing it? Sure. And, and that's been something that we have made sure in the last year that we keep reconnecting on. Mm-hmm. And that's been, uh, I think that's pretty much been what's not what's kept us going, but what's kept us going. Sure. Well, I remember talking with you during that time period when you guys were back and in that, from chapter one to what are we going to do? And, in you know, obviously there were some things you need to do different with the bus itself. Yep. Make some modifications mm-hmm. to make it more toler- tolerable, right? The yep. Things that were um, more difficult. So you had to work with that. But then you, there were, one of the things that stood out to me um, was that this idea, because you didn't know what it was like, 
and unlike some of the other, uh, I think you told me the name is schoolies, some of, the, some of the other individuals who, who live on the road in, in, the, in either a school bus or other type of vehicle, um, it, it appears that they are always traveling, that they're always going from spot to spot to spot. And maybe that's because we're only seeing them through you know, Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And I know that was one of the things that you told me is that I don't know for sure where we're going to go next, but wherever we go, we're going to stay, stay put for a little bit to get to know that area. And that seemed to be a big uh, shift as well. And so talk a little bit about, you, you had talked, some seeds had been planted with you um, re- regarding um, the idea of being present and being open to um, to what God is putting right in front of you, right? And we know that when we get stuck in our head, get stuck with our thoughts, that we may not see the most beautiful sun, sunset in the world or this most beautiful, you know, lake in the, with the mountains if we're stuck in our head, right? And right. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm great at pouting loudly, right? You know, I'm, if I get stuck in my head, I, won't, I can't see anything except my own negative thoughts or critical thoughts or whatever it is. And then the idea of being open to other, other things, other people, what's right in front of you. Talk a little bit about what that experience, because when we talked a week ago when you got back, um, that was one of the biggest things that I noticed that was different about you was this idea of um, a different found spirituality. Yeah, being... Whew. It took us a little time to... To get to that place, mm. um, if it if it is authentic, it will. <laughs> yeah, even even having seen it out in Portland or in 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 Montana, the few times that we saw it in that first month, um, I don't think I realized how much it was actually happening. I saw little glimpses of it, but I don't think I was. I definitely at that point in our journey, I was not. Uh, I was definitely stuck in my head. Um, so in that first month, one of the other things that we had done wrong for us, and again, everybody's different in how they do this traveling lifestyle, um, is, is, yeah, we, we, were, we, were, we were almost too much on the go. Um, so we actually went then to North Carolina, uh, which is where we had thought that we were going to buy a house. And... Um, Again, at the time, I just attributed it to when we met somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who had this, and then we ended up on a three-acre lot, uh, 15 feet from a river in the middle of a mountain range in Barnardsville, North Carolina, North Asheville, and um for me, that at the time, I think that was just very much, well, again, we happened to be here last year and we happened to do this and we happened to do that. Um, but we ended up in North Carolina with the intention of being there for a month uh, to check out the, that area. Um, that was one of the spots that, uh, again, we had been there the year before, had put in a bid on a house. Uh, we wanted to experience what that community was like. Um, but so so it was good for us to be there because we were able to kind of settle down. But then we got, you know, it's it's 
talking about it and reliving it is really interesting because mm-hmm. it, it makes you think a lot of, a lot about it. Um, at that point, we had we had gone down to North Carolina and we were living there. We were able to venture out from that area, um, met some amazing people, um, established some definite life long friendships when we were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were able to be actually more present with our kids for a while. Mm-hmm. And then once again, uh, I think life just kind of crept in again. Um, and we realized that being stationary, although traveling nonstop and go, 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 wasn't where we wanted to be in that super rushed uh, capacity or that super rushed traveling lifestyle. Um, we also knew that at this point we didn't want to be just sitting in somebody's lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got back on the road and headed south because it was it was time to time to move on. It was uh, by this time it was January ish. Uh, we had spent. I said three months in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, it had snowed. It was 17 degrees. Living on a bus. It's everything worked. Mm-hmm. Um, it was awesome. The mm-hmm. the heating was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. The, you know, playing in the snow and and living life there was great. Um, but we also felt the need to get back on the road. But then again, be more deliberate about what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, that led into going to Florida, which crazy we were like we're just gonna zip through florida and get back out and go to somewhere else (laughs) and this is really where i think i started to get uh i i really opened up more to just being open for uh to be led Mm -hmm. uh to be led in a direction um and and i i think i'm just gonna I think I just need to kind of tell that story about that I told you the other day about how we, how we ended up. I don't know, man. It's crazy. Like I, mm-hmm. I love talking about it because sure. it just seems, it's just, it's crazy. So we had gone down to we we went down the Atlantic coast in Florida and ended up in the Florida Keys, and even getting into the Florida Keys was interesting. Um, that's a that's a long drive, and. And yeah, you, by the way, you don't zip through Florida. But no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't. Uh, Florida's a really long state. Um, but we got down to the Florida Keys, and, and that in itself was a challenge of where are we going to stay. Um, you get down to the Florida Keys, and even in, in Key West, they had a hurricane in the last mm. year, so they're rebuilding. So you can't be with certain vehicles down there, and the RV parks are our full, and they're like a hundred and something dollars a night. And I, we most of the time we travel, we boondock. Or mooch dock, so we stay somewhere for free, mm-hmm. um, which is that's a whole nother challenge. But um, we met a couple that was in North Carolina when we were there, and their dad has two houses in Key West, and he's got a big driveway, and like things, things just without with, with having a little bit of a plan, things started to really just started happening, mm-hmm. and. Then it became where um, we were just letting go, I think, of our own uh, plan and not 
in a completely throw it out the window sort of way, hippie mentality of like, we don't care what happens. Not like that, but being open to when something comes into your life, going with it. And there's a reason that these people are being put in your life. So we had gone through the Florida Keys. We were making our way back up to eventually Macon, Georgia, um, because we were going to be part of a tiny house fest. Mm. Tiny house fest being uh, a three-day weekend where people are showing off their schoolies or their tiny houses, and people come and check them out because people want to know what it's like to live in 225 square feet. Um, but we were on our way to Macon, Georgia, and we had stopped at a beach in just south of Fort Myers in, in Florida. And when you're on a bus, you use your GPS all the time. Like I am constantly looking at that thing because you, I mean, it's a lot in gas. It's a lot, you know, you make a wrong turn, just getting the bus turned around takes a while. So I am, while driving, I'm pretty attached to that, to having the GPS right there. And we left this beach and I knew that we were going north because Georgia is north of Fort Myers. Wherever we were. Yeah. <laughs> and <clears throat> for the first time, I think, on the entire trip, I didn't turn on the GPS. So I'm just going to pull out of this parking lot. I'm going to take a right because we were facing west. So take the right turn, and I'm going to head north. And it's the evening, and uh, it's about 6 o'clock at night. And all of a sudden, we're in dead stop traffic in Fort Myers Beach, Florida. And what I didn't realize is that the road that we took the right on it's a kind of a one way off the island, but it's also a one way on the island. So there's a south and there's a north. And I just happened to pick the right turn. And so we're now in Fort Myers Beach and we're sitting in dead stop traffic with construction and barricades around. And I just turned the bus off because it was hot and we were in the sun and we had been going all day. I just kind of sighed because we sat for 20 minutes and just literally didn't move. And I'm looking at the traffic ahead of us going, this is this is not good. And GPS is telling us at this point to turn around and go south by like 15 miles because that's the faster route, and we couldn't even turn around if we wanted to. And I'm he, I'm feeling this, this negativity creep up. Well, I'm the one that didn't put on the GPS. I'm the one that made the right turn. I'm the one that didn't look at the map. I'm the one that blah, 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 blah. And I'm feeling this... Mm-hmm. negative spirit mm-hmm. come upon me. Um, so I weaseled into this. We were, we were, when we were stopped, I looked to my right and there's this church and it's the first Baptist church of first Baptist beach center and retreat center of Fort Myers. And I'm like, I'm thinking about a church. And I said, we need to get off this bus. Cause I knew that we needed to get off the bus, get the bikes out, just go, just go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, well, a, beat, a, a, a church is not going to tow you. They'll at least politely ask you to leave. <laughs> so I pull into the church parking lot at 6 o'clock at night. It's like a Wednesday. There's nobody in the lot. I try knocking on the door. I'm at least going to be polite and say, hey, we're going to be here for a couple hours. We ride our bikes up to the downtown. We come back. We have dinner in the church parking lot. The kids are now starting to settle down. It's it's dark. Um and I'm reading to the kids a uh, nighttime story before we go to go to bed. And we get the thump, thump, thump on the door. And when you're on a bus and when you've been on a bus for like a while, 
you come to realize that the thump, thump, thump on the door means, okay, kids, pack up. We're getting kicked out of wherever we're at, and it's time to go drive and go find somewhere to live for the night at 9 o'clock at night in a different community where you don't know where anything is. And so that's what goes through my head. It mm-hmm. is the, well, it's either the police knocking on your door because somebody from the church called them and are asking them to leave, or it's somebody from the church saying, hey, guys, you got to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I open the door of the church and... Open the door of the bus. Uh, right? Sorry, yeah. Open the door of the bus, and who I later learned to be, Pastor Sean, throws open his arms and is like, Aaron, welcome to our church. I'm Pastor Sean. We're so glad you're here and reaches out and just like gives me the biggest hug I've had in months. And my brain is now just thrown. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, what? How does this? A million things. How does this guy know my name? Why? What is what is going on? He's why is he so happy that we're here? I'm a big old bus that might be leaking a little oil onto his parking lot. Like. It, my brain was just, I was, I was, I was confused sure. is really what it was. Um, in the meantime, the kids are like starting to pack up their stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and I jump off the bus and this pastor Sean says, you have no idea where you're at. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm Fort Myers at a beach, <laughs> you know? And he's like, no, you, you're supposed to be here. I said, well, again, I'm, and now I'm starting to, I'm, I'm, I'm getting back quickly into that, okay, get back into the open mindset, mm-hmm. get back into the be, being open for wherever it is you're being led mm-hmm. and just, I don't know, just go with it, just mm-hmm. being, being open. And he says, uh, my wife and I and our kids were a traveling Baptist singing family that lived on a bus. And my son lives on a bus and he points around the corner right over there. And my other son, you can't see it, but my other son lives on a bus at the back of our property. And there's two more buses on our property. And we have the hookups, and we have the electric, and we have the water, and we have mechanics. And you said, you know, how's your bus running? And it's leaking, and we're, we're, we'll fix it. Like, we're going to get you taken care of. And he said, actually, our our son's girlfriend, she's followed you guys on Instagram for like the last six months. So when we all came back from the grocery store... There was this big blue bus in our parking lot. And my wife was like, Sean, find those people and tell them that they're staying. Um, And it was so, it was, it was, it was just, it was overwhelming in a really good way. We pulled our bus around to the back of their property where we would blend in more with the buses. Um, And that first night we went into their house and fellowshiped with them and our kids played and we were up until... Well, the kids were up super late that night, but um, we like instantly became part of their family. And it was just um, where in the past I would have thought, well, it just by chance, um, because of all the other things that had added up in the last nine months or whatever it was, I was now starting to realize, okay, there's, there's some, there's, there's the direction there's, mm-hmm. I'm being led and we're being pushed in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. We're being, we're not, we're not puppets, mm-hmm. um, but doors are opening sure. and there's opportunity there. And the way then the next two months 
the way things progressed over the next two months, there's no way that that was just by chance. Sure. Um, that led into us going to Macon, Georgia. That led us into bringing more schooly families back from Macon, Georgia, back down to this church where they were having a college retreat where it was 120 kids there. And so I brought bus people back in different buses, other schoolies back down to the church where we all came together as a community and helped out the church in their time of need of serving 120 college kids. That, again, different uh, amazing circumstances, but that led us to us leaving our bus there when we went to Puerto Rico for two months and helped rebuild, helped the family rebuild a house in Puerto Rico, um, which all came from, there was no way we would have been able to get to Puerto Rico with leaving our bus unless our bus wasn't in a place where it was safe. And the way things just flowed from that, mm-hmm. a little earlier in, in, in there, but from, from that point, it was just be, being just open mm-hmm. to letting God lead us wherever he was going to lead us Mm -hmm. Um, and just being open to there's a bigger picture. Sure. I think, you know, many times we, and you and I've talked about this a lot and I've introduced this concept to you about, you know, the, the hero's journey and this journey that you've been on and you know, how, how there was this order that was going on and, but there was concerns in that order. Yes, you had the house. Yes, you had the business and the kids, and the kids were doing school and all these things. But we weren't emotionally present. And 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 then you 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 cross over and make this commitment to do this and all the things that go along with that. And just like you talked about some of the struggles and some of the things that you learned um, via that, um, and still are continuing to learn. Right, and you are beginning to be able to. Um, where where essence, the essence of all this was probably the spiritual part of it, this idea of recognizing, like you did with the pastor, Sean, when he, in the midst of it, you thought it was one thing. Yep. And it ends up being completely something different. And being able um, to go with that and be in that flow. Um, you talked about something. I had an image in my head of, um, of, a, of a mountain stream. Yep. and And you... If you're flowing with that stream, if you're in the midst of that flow, it's not that there won't be obstacles. It's just that when the obstacles come, instead of fighting them, um, you're finding the teacher within them and um, and continue to come back to that why. So, Aaron, um, as we get ready to wrap up for today, and that's a phenomenal story, and I think that's a great piece for us to um, maybe reconvene. I know you're going to be in Rockford here for a little bit longer, yep. and maybe we can get you back on um, uh, before you guys take off again. But um, if there's one thing that you can um, that, that you'd be able to share about this this part one of of us talking about your journey, um, or or you and Flan and the kids uh, being on the bus, what would be something that you would want to kind of leave with regarding this part of it? You know, I, I we talked for the last however long it's been about uh, definitely about the journey um, and the ups and downs of that. Uh, I think I think the biggest thing that I've taken out of the last year, and there's been a lot, mm. um, some amazing things, but um, the amount of time that we've spent together as a family, 
and have been able to connect more as a family, that has happened. And that, going back to that why from when this whole thing started, um, definitely in that uh, that second part after that first month, um, and even in the first month. I mean, the first month was great. To, to connect with the kids. Um, but this this last year has brought us together as a family, I think, a lot closer. And I think, um, yeah, I think the, the, again, back to that original reason of why we're doing this is to, is to be more present with our kids. That is happening. And we're seeing that happen in our kids individually even when we're not around them now more. Um, well, no, not when we're not around them, but when they're off doing their own thing. Sure. In the last year, we've noticed, okay, there's that's the, he's this one is starting to shine, and he's starting to bring up the the character trait that he's that he's he like I don't know. It's just been really cool to see how much our kids have changed in the last year, um, and how they're even more present with each other, sure. and how they're connecting with each other. And I think a lot of that is through us connecting with, with Philan and I connecting yeah. together. And that it rolls it rolls downhill. Yeah. Um and and to be to be a part of that and to be able to kind of see it in the middle of all of it yeah. has been has been really cool. Sure. Um and yes, I will uh I'd love to take you up on that offer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. So if people want to follow and see what's going on besides t- uh, connecting with us here uh, and listening here for the, for the next of the part two, how is the best way for them to follow you um, either on Instagram or Facebook or what's the best way? Sure. So pretty much every social media uh, outlet that's out there, we're on those. Uh, the main ones are Instagram and Facebook, but we are simply us and a bus nice all one big word okay. simply us and a bus all right well aaron thank you very much for being on here i know you have a couple things that you that you have going on today so um i really appreciate you sharing um not only your story but uh some of the difficulties part of it but then also some of the things that you've learned along the way so thank you kevin it's been yeah. great Great. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, um, Aaron Tokars and Fulan, as they have been bringing their family, um, doing something a little bit um, counterculture. Um, and if you want to learn more about them and, and follow them, uh, as Aaron mentioned, uh, simply us and a bus. Um, and you can follow them on Instagram, Facebook, or other type of social media. Um, thank you again for being with us today, and we will see you next week.